Amen. As you have a seat, go ahead and grab your Bibles and take them out and turn to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. John 14, continuing on in our series. Uh, remember, as we come to this chapter, we're in, we're in the last night, uh, the last night that Jesus has with his disciples. He's a few hours here removed from his betrayal and from his, his trial and ultimately from, from the cross. And, and these next few weeks, John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, are all of the teaching that Jesus kind of crams in to these last moments that he has with his disciples. And they are full, let me tell you. Like, we are not getting to this whole chapter today. It is just not possible. So we're gonna skip around a little bit and hit on a few things, but, but there's a lot of, of promises for God's people and teaching on our triune God in these chapters ahead, and I would encourage you just personally, first of all, dig into this, especially in the coming weeks. Like, read through this, pray through this, look through this throughout the week, and, and lean into this with your small group, right? You were meant for community, all right? We're not meant, we don't have to just study this and learn in this and grow in this by ourselves, right? We're meant to do that in community. So if you're not in a small group, I just encourage you, like, would you please jump into one? In fact, as you go out today for All In and you sign up to serve here on the weekends, hop over and you can actually sign up to be part of a small group too. It's on the other wall. So be part of that today. Lean in with your small group over these next few weeks. All right, hopefully you've gotten to John 14. Uh, here's where we're at. Uh, if you remember last week, uh, Jesus is, he's, he's telling his disciples some hard things. He's like, I I'm gonna die. I'm going to the cross. I'm going away. One of you is going to betray me. Another one of you is gonna deny me, and then you're all gonna scatter. Just imagine where they were at at that moment. I mean, they're, they're confused. They've gotta be disoriented in a lot of ways, scared, uncertain. I mean, remember, these guys have, they've given up everything to follow Jesus over these last three years. They've completely reoriented their lives around him. They've, they've faced persecution and danger and rejection, rejection by loved ones and friends and community. I mean, Jesus is their life. They've gone all in on him. And now he's saying things like, I'm leaving, I'm going away. You can't go there, I'm gonna die. I thought of this this week, I mean, like for the guys that were married, like, oh, I mean, the first conversation was hard enough. Hey, hon, um, so there's this rabbi. He's the Messiah. Um, I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna quit my job. I don't know how we're gonna do all that, but I'm gonna do this. You know, when you find him, she's like, okay, let's do this. And now you're coming back and you're like, so he's leaving. <laughs> um, there's that. Like, I mean, just think about that impact that these, that these guys are facing. And they've gotta be terrified. Have you been there? Maybe you're there this morning and you're scared and uncertain and confused. Amid all of this, amid the doubts and the fears of his disciples, 
Jesus comforts them. And he comforts us also. And he does that through, through promises. Promises both for the present and for the future life with him. And I want us to see a few of these. So first, first, promises for future life. Promises for future life. Uh, Lord, help us as we dive into these verses, Lord. Move in our midst. Do your work in us. Teach us, Lord. Open our eyes to see your beauty and wonder and to believe in your precious name. Amen, amen. Promises for the future life. John 14, look at verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go, and if I prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Verse five, and Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. <laughs> Jesus starts out like right in the middle of their fears, all this discouragement, they're terrified. This is coming right off of the last verses in 13 where he tells Peter, yeah, you're gonna deny me. And then right now that, he's like, don't be afraid. I don't know about you. Have you, have you found out that when, when you're scared, like the most helpful thing for someone to do is to say, stop it? Like, it, it's not for me. It doesn't work that way in our house, right? And that's, but that's exactly what Jesus does. They're like, they're terrified. And he's like, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't fear. And why does he say that? Because look, he keeps going. He says, instead, do what? Believe in God, believe also in me. Trust me. What do I trust, Lord? He keeps going from there. And he comforts them with these, this kind of succession of promises about the future life with God. He's like, listen, in my father's house, in the father's abode where he dwells, there's a whole lot of rooms. This word rooms, it means dwelling places. He's like, there's a lot of rooms in my father's house. Why is that encouraging? Because that means whoever believes in him, there is room for you in the house of God that's hopeful. And he's like, listen, I am leaving, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to the Father where he's at, his house, and I'm preparing a place. And then I'm coming again. And then I'll gather my people to myself and you will be with me forever. This is, this is bridal language. We see this in the Song of Solomon. A, a, a groom would prepare an additional space in his father's house before the wedding. And then, yeah, some of you are like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then is what they would do is after their marriage, he would bring his bride back to that home where they would live. This is Christ giving us a picture of that. He's saying, I am the bridegroom. I am the bridegroom. My people are the bride. I'm preparing a place for you. And one day I'll come and I will get you and I will gather you to myself and we will dwell together in the Father's house. He's like, I am preparing this place. Now, don't think, don't think of this preparation um, like, like Jesus is in heaven 
putting his carpentry skills to use in order to build an actual physical room for you in God's house, right? Complete with shiplap and open shelving. That's, that's not what's happening here, okay? He will prepare a place, how? He's gonna prepare a place through what's coming next, through the cross, through the resurrection, through his ascension, through his gospel work that's gonna go to the ends of the earth and eventually reach you and reach me. This is a picture, not an actual house. It's a picture of our heavenly forever home where we will enjoy eternity with God. And Thomas, Thomas, verse five, out of this, he asked a good question. He's like, Lord, where's it at? How do we get there? <laughs> and Jesus' answer, verse six, that this is the sixth big I am statement in John. I am a go, a me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's like, I am the way to the Father. I'm the way to God. I, I am about, I'm about to go to the cross in your place and take all of the just wrath of God on myself as your substitute so that you can come to the Father. I am the truth about God. Jesus is the revealer of God to us. We've seen that throughout the Gospel of John. Back in John chapter one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not only that, he says, I am the life. I am the life from God, eternal life from him. That's John three sixteen. God loved the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have what? Eternal life. Jesus like, you want to know the way? You want to know the way to the father, to his dwelling? I am the way. It's me. The predominant question that we see asked across humanity and across history throughout scripture is this. If there is a holy God, how do we as sinful humanity have a relationship with him? How are we reconciled to him? Verse six is the answer to that question. Jesus is the only way. And our world would say, well, how dare you say that Jesus is the only way? That's really narrow of you and not very inclusive. Listen, listen, listen. The exclusivity of Christianity is good news. And you're like, well, how, how so? Think of it, think of it like this. All right, imagine, imagine if I came to you and I'm like, hey, I need directions to the grocery store, all right? And the grocery store has one way in, and that's it, right? Because I know the illustration breaks down at some point, all right? But imagine, there's a place, there's a grocery store, there's one way in. I'm like, tell me how, how do I get to Costco? And some of you are like, how dare you? How dare you call Costco merely a grocery store? It's so much more than that. But just imagine, and our Costco definitely doesn't have one way in to it. But, but imagine, one way. And I'm like, how do, you, how do I get there? And your answer to me was like, however you want. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think you understood my question. How do I get there? Well, you'll, you'll find it. Like, no, no. If I go this way, will I end up at the store? 
Sure. Like, no, I won't. There is a way that leads to that store. And there is a way that leads away from that store. So you to tell me that I can get there, however I go, is a lie and not helpful, right? This, this is beautiful news that Christianity is exclusive. Why? Jesus is the way. That's why. Like, now you know. You know the way. That, that eliminates all the wrong ways. That eliminates all of the aimless wandering and searching and guesswork. That means that I'm not the way. That I can cease from my attempts on my own to try and gain access to eternal life and the Father. It's only through Jesus. Good news. In the midst of all of their struggles and terror at this point. He reminds them and us, we have the hope of heaven. This life is not all that there is. And if we will trust him, believe, he's preparing a place for us and we have a home awaiting us with God beyond all our imagination. And you know, you know, typically at this point, it's where we like to ask all of the questions that Jesus isn't interested in asking about heaven, right? About eternity. We're like, hey, is there pickleball in heaven? Because I'm reading a lot and it seems like there's a whole lot of worship going on and I'm not sure this will be super enjoyable. Like pickleball, I enjoy. Like, will it be there? You know, kind of thing. And, and okay, total side note on this because this is, this is off track, but... Like, think about this just for a second, just logically. The creator of the universe, the one who created everything good and wonderful and beautiful, everything that we enjoy and can delight in, that creator is the same designer of eternity. You're not going to be bored. <laughs> You're not going to be bored and so much better, all right? And here's the thing, here's the thing. As you think about, you know, like, I mean, there's all those questions that are so fun to even think about and do. But here's the thing. In this passage and in most of the entirety of Scripture, Jesus reminds us that, listen, the most wonderful thing about eternity is not what's there, but rather who is there. Right? And he's like, he's like, I'm coming back here and I'm gonna take you to myself. And where I am, you will be also. And you will be in, in relationship with me, but now with no death and sorrow and sin. So it will be a perfectly redeemed enjoyment of relationship with God. We can't even imagine how much better eternity will be. And that is hopeful for us, isn't it? Like, I, I think sometimes uh, in this, a lot of times we worry about not wanting to be escapist, right? We don't, because, because think about this for a second. As he's telling his disciples about this, 
what, what's your natural tendency? If it's like mine, and I imagine theirs was probably a little bit, your natural tendency is, is like, what are we waiting for? Right? Let's, let's just do that then. Like, would you just gather us to yourself now and make all things new? Right? And instead, instead of that, what is happening here is Jesus is like, allow this eternal hope, disciples, church, allow this to fuel your life here now. We are meant to cling to the hope of eternity, to live our lives faithfully here for the Lord. Because it's not yet. How do we know it's not yet? Because Jesus isn't back yet. Because you and I are here. So that means he still has a purpose in us and a purpose through us for his glory. And he gives them here this ultimate heavenly hope that he is returning and that we will enjoy forever relationship with him so that they might live their lives here in that hope, clinging to that hope. Promises for the future life with the Lord. Now now we see a few promises for the present life. Look down verse 12. I told you we were gonna jump around here a little bit. Promises for the present life. So, so think about this. Out of this, you know, the temptation then is to go, let's just do that. Jesus, and he's like, no, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. I have more for you here. And so what's he graciously do in the midst of their troubledness, in the midst of their fear? He's like, here's some promises for you right now. So as you cling to the hope of heaven, here's what I have for you. And here's what I'm going to do. Verse 12, we see, he says, I am going to continue my work through you. Truly, truly, I say to you. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Like, right out of this, you're like, okay, wait, Lord, you're leaving. You're going away. You're going back to the Father. You're preparing a place. You're gonna come again, but now what? I mean, for the past three years, we've been doing your work alongside of you. Like, now what? And the Lord's like, here's my promise to you. I'm gonna continue my work. Like, if you believe in me, you'll do the work that I do. If you believe in me, you'll love like me, you'll show compassion like me, you'll live sacrificially like me, you'll teach people the gospel like I do, you'll point to God's glory like I do, but not just that. Look at this, look at this. In the middle of that verse, you'll do the works that I do and greater works than these will you do. Greater? Like greater in, in what sense? Okay, don't, don't think of this greater in relation to power or extravagance or, 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 or wonder, okay? What he's not saying, he's not saying here, listen, now is what you're gonna do is you're gonna heal blind man too, but you'll do it standing on one leg, all right? He's like, oh, Jesus fed the 5,000 with, with fish and loaves. Now you're gonna do it with steak, that's not, that's not what this is, all right? The clue to what he's talking about, here's this last phrase. And you will do greater, work, greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I am going to the Father. He's like, I'm going away. And the way that I'm going to the Father is through the cross. 
And here's what I'm gonna do. Here's my promise to you. I will continue my work through you. But now, now, this work, this work will be rooted in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. And it will be greater. This word has the idea of an extent. It will be greater in scope than you could ever fathom. Uh, Think about it like this. Jesus, remember, like came, humbled himself, became a man, 100% God, 100% man, but he lived in, he lived in one place amongst mostly one people. It was three years of ministry. He pointed forward to his cross and it was at one point in time. And now what's he gonna do? Now he says, my work is gonna continue through my people with the truth of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and the, and the, the hope of heaven. And it will be done, we're gonna see here in a second, in the power of the spirit and for the glory of God. And my people across the generations will cross every border and they will go to all peoples on the earth and they will see the gospel go to the ends of the earth and draw, I mean, uh, just, it will be beyond what you could imagine, the work that I'm gonna continue in you. If you think about it this way, the work that happened, God's drawing work that he did on Pentecost, just that day, was more than the other three years that Jesus had spent in earthly's ministry. He's like, I'm gonna do something so much greater through you, my people, across the generations. I thought about this this week. I saw an interview done with uh, the founder of the YouVersion Bible app, okay? Uh, I just call it the Bible app. Like that's how common it is on our, on our phones. And it started, it started just as this idea initially of a website. And then they found out iPhone was starting. And then what was that, like 2006 or 2007 right in there. And so, so they actually got in as one of the first 200 like apps that was available in the app store on your iPhone. And they're like, we don't know if this is gonna experience any success and go anywhere. And now today, the Bible is translated into, they said, over 2,000 languages through the app. It has 600 million downloads in every country of the world. What? Like, the word of God has, is, is going out to the ends of the earth, even in such creative and unique ways. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, listen, I know, I know, I'm coming again. It's gonna be better. You're gonna be with me forever. Cling to that hope, but it's not yet. Oh, (laughs) he's like, but listen, I've got work for you to do and it will be so far beyond what you've seen so far in these first three years and you get to be part of it. And then he keeps going because I mean, the question that I'd ask after that is, yeah, but how? I mean, you're leaving, you're leaving. Look at verse 13. He comes in with this other present promise that he will answer prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He's like, listen, I've got this work for you to do. I've got this continued work for you to carry on. Oh, it's gonna be greater. Oh, wow, it's gonna be amazing. You, you are still here. You need to be part of this. You want to be part of this. You get to be part of this. Lord, how? How do we, how do we find the resource to do that? And the first thing he says is you ask. Like, I'm not gonna be here with you. 
but you have access to me. Ask it in my name, which by the way, these words in my name. Don't think of that like often we say them at the ends of prayers, okay? It's not some like magical formula that everything you ask for, as long as you follow it up with in Jesus' name, comes true. It's not like, give me a candy bar so big, I'll never eat it all in Jesus' name. Like, that's, that's not how it works, okay? In his name, biblically, is what this has the idea. It means in accordance with or in line with that person. So it's in line with, aligned with his character, his purposes, his will, it's also, it's also pointing to his power to do it if he chooses to. And it's a faith statement, right? Because I don't know about you, but I think it's a really good thing that Jesus doesn't answer all of my prayers. I, I mean, across my life, I've asked some pretty poor things from the Lord. And he graciously says, ask in my name. Trust me. And listen, that's not just trusting him to say yes. That's trusting him to answer in a way that is best for us. A way in this verse that shows us that would be for his glory. A way that's aligned with his will and his ways. And he says, listen, in faith, Ask for what you need. Boy, in the midst of hard, troubling times, is that where you go? Like the promise that we have here from Jesus is basically telling us, go to me first. Ask me, trust me. I saw this this week. It's such an incredible way. I asked, there was a prayer I prayed this week. And I'm just confessing here. I mean, it's so big that I was like, there's no way you're answering this, Lord. My faith was tiny. And I remember I even had the conversation with him because I was in this passage. It was like, Lord, I know this is, I filtered this through your will, your word. I believe this is for your glory. And so I'm asking, would you do this? And he graciously said, yes. And, and the part where we get to grow in that is we get to grow in our faith as we trust him to do what he knows is best. Listen, God of the universe, available to you on this mission called life, go to him, ask him appropriately in light of who it is that you're asking. He keeps going, he keeps going. We'll see one more promise and then we'll be done. Out of that in verse 15, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, this, this is what you do. He's like, I'm gonna do greater works through you. Ask me, ask me for my help. Ask me for everything that accords with my glory, ask and I will do it. And he's like, and then do this. If you love me, keep my commandments, right? Keep walking faithfully with me. Keep obeying your, your king. Uh, this, this, this verse is so important because it's like, 
Love here overflows in obedience to the Lord. Do you remember the most near big commandment that we got last week? Chapter 13, verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I've loved you. Like one of the questions you should have been asking out of last week is how in the world does that happen? Right? And the first step to that happening is it overflows from love for the Lord. Right? Our love for others will come from, will spill out from our love for Christ. Uh, the Christian life is not this dueling question of should I, should I love the Lord or should I obey him? Scripture says yes. <laughs> in fact, it zooms in a little further and it says if you love him, you will obey him. And I don't know about you, so I'm like, okay, so we're gonna do greater works. We're gonna continue your mission. We need to ask you. You say, hey, listen, love me. Walk in obedience to me. Like out of that, I say, how, Lord? Your commandments aren't, <laughs> they're hard. Love each other like you've loved? What? And here comes, here comes this awesome promise. Keep going. Look, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus is like one of the biggest promises that you receive, Christians, in order to live this life clean to the hope of eternity, to live this life for his glory on his mission is this. He says, I'll give you my spirit as your help. The spirit here, this word, it means helper or comforter. It has the idea of one that comes alongside of you. And Jesus is like, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the spirit. And the spirit, the spirit's always been at work in the world. We see the spirit at work in the first few verses of Genesis chapter one, right? But this is new. He's like, the spirit won't just be with you. The spirit will be in you. You. Just, just catch a beat and think about that. Father, Son, and Spirit, our triune God. The Spirit of God. Believers, when you place your trust in him, dwells in you. The third person of the Trinity. In you. That's, I, I think that's both incredible beyond words and really hard to understand too. I know, I remember when I was little, I remember my parents teaching me, you know, it's like, hey, you've placed your trust in Jesus. He gives you his spirit. And my big question out of that is like, he's dwelling in me? Like where? Like gallbladder? Like heart? Like I, how do you wrap your head around that concept? Like it's so mysterious and wonderful, Right? Listen, there are, there are a couple really amazing things out of this. The first one is this. If the spirit of the living God dwells in you, do you know the hope that comes out of that? The hope that comes out of that is this. You have God always with you. Always. He is near. And his name is comforter, helper, the one who comes alongside of. Like, whether you at any given moment are like, wait, 
wait, there's the spirit, or wait, there's the spirit. I don't feel him like I did before. He promises if you trust him, the spirit is in you, right? And not only that, not only that, I think there is some awesome tangibleness to this as we think about this. You can see him. You're like, oh, Nate, hold on a second. What's that? What's that look like? Look down, look down at verse 26. Jump to verse 26. We're gonna see a whole lot of the Spirit's work across these next few chapters, but, but there's a few that we can even grab onto right here. You can identify and see the Spirit of God in our lives. Look at 25 says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Um, this, this promise was immediately fulfilled with the disciples in, in their writing scripture. We have the gospel of John because Jesus kept this promise to his disciples who remembered the things that he had spoke to them by the power of the Spirit and put them down on paper. But also, this continues for us in that, in that we have God's word. And any time, any time that you are comforted and helped and remember the word of God and see it applied to your life, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. So if you're like, how do I see the Spirit? Where's he at? What's he doing? What's he look like? You're like, oh, I was so comforted by this passage today. That was the Holy Spirit. But not only that, remember back to the beginning of this chapter, the big thing, like, hey, I'm coming again. You have a hope of an eternal home with the Lord forever. Did your heart leap for joy at all? Like thinking about, oh, Lord, I hope it's today. Oh, I hope you come soon. Oh, Lord, please come soon. I don't even know what all heaven is gonna be like, but I can't wait because it's gonna be awesome. That hope of heaven springing up in your heart, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. In Galatians, we see what's called the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Do you long to have more of that in your life? Do you see the Lord, not perfectly, but little by little by little by little, growing you in those things? Holy Spirit, that's, that's him at work. In this passage, verse 15, if you love me, uh, Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God Knowing his love and love for him is poured into our hearts, how? Through the spirit who has been given to you. If you love God, that's the spirit. That's him at work. If you then obey him out of that love, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, Christians, that we would be better about seeing, identifying, and praising God because of the work of his spirit in our lives. Watch for it. Be quick to give him credit for it and then go back, go back to verse 13 and 14 and ask him for more. Lord, work in my life. Lord, change my life. Lord, use my life for your glory. And you can, you can. If you step back and you really start looking and you ask for his help, you're like, there's the spirit, there's the spirit, there's the spirit, there's the spirit. And here's what's beautiful, verse 23 Jesus says this, he's like, listen, um, I'm coming again. Look forward to me, long for me. I will return your heavenly home. But until then, verse 23 tells us, 
that he says the Father and the Son through the Spirit will make their home with you. He will return, take us to himself, our home, the Father's house for all of eternity. But until then, he's like, here's hope. My spirit is gonna be in you. You're our home until the home. Like that's, that's amazing because you know what that means? That means we get a little taste of heaven. The more that we learn how to enjoy relationship with the Lord here on earth. Verse 27 finishes this out. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I think particularly here in his promises by his spirit. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Trust the Lord for his future promises, for his present promises. Walk in obedience to him while clinging to the hope of heaven, while clinging to his promises that he will continue his work through us, while clinging to the wonder that is the spirit of the living God dwelling in us. But don't just stop there. Don't hoard those promises to yourself. Now, you're sent. You're sent with those promises to encourage others and point them to God's glory through them. John 14 is awesome. Father, I, I, oh, oh Lord, we long for your return. I, would you, would you come back? Oh, please. Would you come back for your bride? Gather us to yourself so that we can enjoy you for all of eternity in the heavens and the earth that you ultimately redeem once and for all, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Till then, (laughs) by your spirit in us, would you help us? Would you conform us increasingly to your image? Would you make us more like you? Would you help us to love you increasingly and as an overflow of that love to walk in obedience to your commands? Would you do work not only in us but through us? Would we see the gospel go out from here to the world? Lord, would you help us to run to you first for our resources? Run to you in in, in trust, recognizing that there's power in your name. Oh, Lord, help us to cling to the hope of eternity with you. And would that fuel, <laughs> energize 
and endure us as we seek, as we seek to faithfully live for your glory in this world, in your precious name.